Hello, listeners. Welcome to Strength and Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Rodenbush, the Director of Alumni Engagement with Recovery Centers of America. This podcast is sponsored by the Alumni Association of Recovery Centers of America. And today I am at our St. Charles, Illinois location and sitting down with Ryan Decker. Ryan is from Oswego, Illinois. Um, We're sitting outside. The sun is starting to go down off this beautiful campus. Um, Just just a gorgeous campus um, with cottages where people recover and um, Ryan, will you tell us a little bit about your experience here at RCA? Well, before I came here, I was nervous because I never had been to rehab before. So I was thinking it was going to be like a hospital setting or something scary. You know, I was scared. But when I was here, it was very comfortable. Everybody here is very loving and... um, it's a very warm place. Uh, everybody's very nice. The food is great. And Say that again. <laughs> the food is great. <laughs> I think that could be a hesitation, right? Yeah. What am I going to eat? And I thought is it was going to be. Yeah, I thought it was going to be like hospital food. Yeah. And I, I was scared, and uh, I was comfortable. That's a big thing that I can say. I was comfortable. The the gym and the the one thing that I can say is the open mic night. I was not even thinking that that would ever be a thing mm-hmm. that would be a part of something like this and um overall i'm very happy that i chose this place to come to well we're glad you chose it as well and um why don't you just talk to us about why you chose rca well to be honest i didn't choose it my mom chose it for me mm-hmm and um, she chose it on behalf of me. She, uh, she called and, and got a hold of it and got it for me. I mean, I was so down bad. I think she might have been looking into places for me behind my back in the most positive way, mm-hmm. if that could make sense. I was so bad that my parents had me um, staying in the living room so they could keep wash on me. And when it got to the point where I was telling them, okay, I need help, she said, I'll call right now and we can go. And you guys were the place that they called. Mm-hmm. And I had no inclination of where to go, what to go to. Like I said, I was scared. I thought every every place would be like a hospital. And she was like, we can go right now, today. Wow. And they called and this is where I came. And tell us a little bit about yourself. You're a young guy. Um, How old are you? I'm 26 years old. I just turned 26 in August. Um, And today's a special day. Yes, I just turned uh, six months sober today. Woohoo! That is so exciting. And, uh, yeah, (laughs) it's very surreal to think that. (laughs) (laughs) To know it, actually. Um, I would have never thought that I would be sober to be honest (laughs) as as weird as that sounds I thought that I was a person that could maintain a lifestyle of drugs and alcohol were like a a thing that were going on with me but drugs uh, 
essentially like pharmaceutical drugs, like uh, pharmaceutical opiates, mm-hmm. were a thing that I thought I could do constantly every single day, and people wouldn't notice because mm-hmm. you couldn't smell them, you know, you couldn't see them on, you know what I'm saying, like that. And uh, I thought I could do them, and no one would be able to notice, and I could be fine. But it put a toll on my life. And um, I was thinking about it earlier today, actually, that I thought that drugs gave me confidence Mm -hmm. in myself, but I realized that the drugs didn't give me confidence in myself. The drugs gave me a... I didn't care about anything. It gave me a lack of... I felt nothing. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't confidence. It was just a, a dull state. And uh, I gave up. I wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't. I wasn't bathing. I was just giving up. So, but when I went out in public, I thought it was a confidence. You know, I, I don't care about what people think about me. But in reality, they still look at me, and they look at me and they have a opinion, mm-hmm. and I don't want them to have that opinion of me. Sure. Talk to us about how did your youth start? Um, when's what's the first time you remember using? My mom, she had some old pills up in the cabinet. Mm-hmm. I stole a few, and this was back in maybe when I was like twelve, thirteen. Wow, nothing crazy. I was just smoking weed back then, and it kind of made me sick. But then I got back in like when I was in high school, then I started to sell weed and then I went to go buy them. I went as soon as the kid got his wisdom teeth taken out. I'd be saying, I know you got some Norcos, I know you got some you know, I got like, some Vicodin. That's what I was gonna ask. How does a thirteen, twelve year old kid get access to this? I'm a mom. I'm going, Okay, how does this happen? Yeah, so a kid gets his wisdom teeth taken out. I see a kid walking on a boot. Mm -hmm. I'm like, dude, I know you got those in your cabinet. And especially since I'm selling weed, kids would rather have weed than the pills. Or that they only use like five or six of them. They have a trade. Yeah. I'll I'll trade you. We can do whatever, you know. And then I got a whole bunch. I'd literally keep them in my locker, not take them home, Mm -hmm. and just have them at school. And so are you using at this point or mostly selling? Um, smoking and using weed, mm-hmm. but I'm totally just using the pills. I was never really selling opiates. Mm-hmm. Um, if, I, if a friend wanted some, I'd sell him a couple, but I, would never, I was never like an opiate seller. Mm-hmm. It was completely for my own personal use. Mm-hmm. And are you, are you getting through school okay? I graduated high school, yeah. Okay. Uh, it took me a while due to me uh, not wanting to go go to school. Uh, and by all means, anybody listening to this podcast, my parents are great people. Um, I would beg and plead to not go to school and just be... A, I think you're a smart guy. I mean, you knew what you had to do. <laughs> I was on like truancy. I needed a doctor's note to go to school. And I wouldn't care about going to school. And luckily there's this thing called um, 
challenge lab mm -hmm. where you could make up credits. So I made up my credits and I successfully uh, graduated school on time. But I knew I could do it. I, I could have done it. Sure. But I was caring about other things. I wanted to skip school and go to the skate park and hang out with the older kids. And I learned stuff from them. But like I say in the meetings, I learned stuff that doesn't, it doesn't matter. And nowadays, I've got nothing to show for what I've learned. For like what I've learned, I wish I would have taken more advantage of the the things that were there. Yeah. And so, when do you start realizing, okay, this is this is a problem? <laughs> when I re when I wanted to go to rehab, to be honest. Mm. Well, maybe. a few months before that. Are there consequences starting to happen? Well, I've always had, uh, like, seizures that I thought were panic attacks, mm -hmm. but we never knew that they were seizures because I never said anything to anybody because I have, um, like, absent seizures, they're called, mm -hmm. so I'll um, just, like, blank out. Mm. And um, I just never dealt you know, I never said anything to anybody or dealt with it in a way that I, you know, I never talked to my parents. My friends were like, dude, you just blacked out for like five seconds and didn't say anything or I'll do weird stuff with my hands and things like that. And then um, it got to a point where uh, I was doing it in front of my parents and I went to the doctor and then we can keep going on and I crashed my car and things like that. And... um then I was like, okay, maybe something's going on here, but I don't know, like, I, I know it's not because of the drugs, there's mm -hmm. something else, you know, something's wrong with my head. And, and is it hard to convince somebody of that at that time, or are they just saying, get off the drugs, you'll be fine? Exactly. Okay. And my own head is going... If you just keep, like, just stop it, man. Like, and I was telling myself, I was trying to convince myself, like, bro, just, they put me on medication for the seizures. That was my scapegoat. Mm -hmm. Like, dude, I'm messed up in the head, man. Mm -hmm. um, I'm fine. I can do whatever I want. I had a lot of, um, a lot of time and a lot of friends through that lifestyle that I was living mm -hmm. that gave me like reassurance on both ends that I know that I'm doing something wrong and I know I'm better than this but I still am going to do it because I feel great in the terms of that I'm doing these because of this because of the drugs Ryan I think we underestimate sometimes how much the lifestyle becomes just uh, as much of an addiction and I don't think people talk about that no it, that's for sure what what do you, what's your thoughts around that? Um, it's it sucks. Uh, because I've got, I'm 26, and I've got over like 15 friends dead. Mm. A couple from suicide, most from drugs over drug overdoses, a few from gun violence, and that was from the lifestyle that I was living. But when you get involved with those type of things, you meet those types of people. Mm. 
And what's the allure? There's a certain allure to it, right? Like, is it adrenaline, just being in risky situations? Is that the draw? Is it the people? Is it the music? Like, or is it all of it? Um, I'd say for me, it was... Uh, the music does have a lot to, to do with it, but for me, it was money. Mm. Money has a lot to do with it. And so people can understand that you are that guy that you're talking about. You're 17 years old and, you're, and your mom and dad are like, what are you doing over there? What are you doing with those people? Like the stuff I've seen in my lifestyle, I was just telling, like in my life, in the life that I was living from a young age, I tell my parents like, why was I ever proud of any of that? Why did I think any of that was cool? And the trauma yes. that you have to live with today. Yes. yes. And things that you've seen that you really can't unsee. Yes. Hmm. Talk to me a little bit about the transformation. You're six months into this. You've been through a lot. What's life like now? I mean, I think... Now that I say this, I got a few I got a few people that stay by my side. And uh I appreciate them. I got my family obviously. I got my brother, I got my mom, my dad, my boy Darius. Uh a few of my boys that I stay texting and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um and I think some people think I get sober, I go through rehab the seeds are going to part and everything's going to be fabulous. No. (laughs) No. No, because... It's hard work, right? It's very hard work, and it's not like... I mean, that pink cloud thing you guys were talking about... uh, Tell me what that is, because we got listeners here, and they're they're learning about recovery. I didn't even know what it was when you guys were talking about it, but I was going through it. It's like everything is, is cool. Everything's great. And then, so it's like that moment when you're first sober. Yeah. And things seem rosy. You think everything's going to be great for the rest of your life. Mm. I'm going to be here forever. And that's how I was when I first got home. And your parents had got it cleaned up. Yeah, life they, is better. They got it cleaned up, and I thought everything was going to be great. Uh-huh. I thought I'm, I can live like this forever, man. And then a couple weeks later, a couple weeks later, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And then, uh, I forgot when he, they brought up that, uh, pink cloud thing. But then I was like, damn, that is a real thing. I still felt okay, but then, uh, one thing that I am very proud of with myself right now is that those thoughts that I have that used to be, damn, man, you're feeling down, just go, just call him and pick that up. Just go to the liquor store and do that. Those thoughts now are, it would be a good time to do this, and I have the willpower to not do it. I'm not going to sit here and say those thoughts don't come, Mm -hmm. but I have the power to not do it anymore. And that's why I'm I'm proud of myself to just not not do it anymore. Mm -hmm. Because... And it makes me feel stronger. It makes me feel like I'm mentally working out every day. It makes me feel like I got a six-pack. 
uh, uh, big muscles. It makes me feel like Arnold Schwarzenegger of recovery. You dig what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But it's it's hard to explain because no one can understand what anybody else is going through, you know? Mm-hmm. But I feel like my own mental is coming to a little bit more of a a state when it comes to willpower because I'm still going through crazy anxiety. I'm a crazy overthinker. I I don't know what it's going to take. But what RCA has helped me do is get sober. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm forever in debt to and them so for. If someone is sitting here and they're listening and they're going, why should I get sober? He doesn't sound like he's real excited about it right at this second what would you say to that person well there's three ways to think about it physically mentally and everybody around you man (laughs) like physically do you like to wake up and feel okay do you like to wake up and realize that you can do it every and actually there's four ways to think about it you can feel okay mentally you can it's, it's a process. It's not like you're going to feel good overnight. Mm-hmm. You have to start to try to learn to cope. I was hiding everything. All my self-esteem issues, all those issues. I was getting high, getting drunk, all that stuff is a temporary band-aid. And then once you get sober, no duh that they're all going to come out tenfold. <laughs> You have to deal with all of that, and that's what I'm trying to do. That's why it's hard for me, because, like I said, everybody's different. Like, I want my parents to be happy. I don't want my mom to be worried about me. When I say, I'm going on a walk, I'm going on a walk, you know, I'm going out to, I'm going out to buy cigarettes. Yeah, I still smoke cigarettes. That's the least of the worries now. And, uh, she's okay with it. She doesn't call me every 10 minutes wondering what I'm doing. And the fourth thing... It's a gift you give her. Yes, exactly. No matter what is going on, just stay... Just stay with it. Just stay money. Make a goal. And, uh... Just keep yourself grounded. No matter what you do, the drugs, the alcohol, all of that, it's not your friend. It's there to defeat you. All of that is your enemy. Like, I'm sitting here six months sober, right? If I had gotten messed up, I'd be sitting here lying to you guys. I think I said this at the group last time, or when I was on Zoom with you guys. I'm not lying. I'm being honest. I don't like being a liar. Mm -hmm. So if I was lying to you guys, everything that I'm saying to you right now has no, it, it holds no weight. And so you you were talking about goals. What goals do you have for yourself right now? Well, right now, um, one of my goals is to get my license back because my license is uh, canceled medically due to uh, I had a seizure and I crashed my car. Mm. So I just have to have my my neurologist sign a paper to get my license back and then uh, hopefully get a job, trying to get a job. My parents are very supportive. They're very very cool, but 
I'm just trying to get the ball rolling on life, make up for lost time, and I want to build my life. So slowly, you're putting life back together. Trying my best with the help of my parents and the help of the few friends that I have. And learning what you enjoy. Have you found things in recovery that you didn't know you liked that you like? I go hunting for four-leaf clovers. I've always liked four-leaf clovers, but I like them, and now I go search for them, and I found a bunch. I didn't know it was that easy to find them. I've never been able to find them. Really? I wish I had them on me, although I'd give you one. I found found (laughs) two today. Wow. Randomly, too. I I have a secret spot that I find a lot at, and I randomly found two just walking. And to be able to enjoy, if somebody would have told you a few years ago, you're going to enjoy going out and looking for four-leaf clovers, what would you have told them? Uh, man, you're crazy. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it, I, think, I think it just speaks to there's so much out there. And you said, I'm 26 and I don't have anything. And I'm sitting here going, you're 26 and you have the whole world in front of you. Yeah, that's synonymous, you know, almost verbatim to what my dad and my mom say. And, you know, when I'm sitting on my porch, I feel, like I said, lost. I feel like I I can't. I feel like I see all these people that I went to high school with, that I grew up with, they're already married, they have like three kids. But that's them. That's not me. And I feel like maybe I could, I can achieve that. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't take this step, that's the, the main thing that made me want to come to rehab, come here, is what is 30 days going to be? I could either change my life I could be dead on accident, mm-hmm. or I could be dead on purpose. Mm. And I'm glad I chose to come here. And I know I'm taking it slow, and I know I'm, but I'm doing what I need to do. Yeah. And I had a lot of people, you know, that were older than me here, telling me, you know, you're young. You you. You did it. I wish I did it when I was your age. Mm. I wish I did it when I was your age. You you did the right thing. And um, that re- that that really sunk into my you know psyche. That really like, and I was like, I could I could have been stuck around being like this for a long time. And I'm very thankful. And I've said this before in groups as well. I'm very thankful that I hit that rock bottom. Mm -hmm. Because if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be here talking to you right now. Mm -hmm. It was a hard, very hard journey to get here. But I'm very glad that I'm on this journey now. Did you know when you got there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's why I said, Mom, I need to get help right now. Mm -hmm. It was almost like... My vision, there was like a lens over my vision mm-hmm. and the way I felt. My mom was like, take a shower, what's wrong? I took a shower and I was like, no, something's wrong. I need to go. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't do this. 
this is not right. And I went, and since then I've felt better. Mm -hmm. I'm so thankful that you came. I'm thankful you're part of the alumni team here and the alumni group. I've seen you here. Do you come most Wednesday nights? I come St. Every- Charles has the Wednesday night meeting. Yeah, basically every Wednesday. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? What does it mean to me? Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot. <laughs> I like coming back to see people that uh, I know, you know, that I, I remember from the, the, the cottages or that I remember from seeing it, you know, the cafeteria and stuff like that or um just coming back here and just to remind myself of what I had been through seeing Ray or mostly like I need to sometimes I come here just because I need to vent Mm. I need to talk to people who can understand what I'm going through and um I really uh it's also an activity for me. <laughs> I come here, I see people that are going through the same thing I'm going through, and it makes me feel good to know that I'm not alone. And uh, I love everybody that, that are a part of this place. What's um, your advice to someone your age, 26, they feel like it's not worth it? not worth it to get help yeah if you feel like you can't do it on your own then don't Mm, that's good I, i always thought that i'd be okay and everything and then it hit me all in the face at once and i'm begging you don't let it hit you in the face get help while you can please And what advice do you give parents who are out there who are watching their kid, their loved one suffer? Don't be extremely overbearing as hard as it is to not be. Be as positive and loving as you can so they can be transparent with you. Because if you're harsh, they're going to hide everything from you. And that's only going to make things a million times worse. So be loving to them, be honest with them, so they can be honest with you. That's really good. That's good. What do you feel are, have been, or what do you feel have been the gifts of sobriety well I already have a bad memory but my memory has been better (laughs) Um, I've been dreaming that feels good to dream again Um, but other than those minute things uh, it feels good to make my parents proud to know that they're happy for me you know like they're 
saying that they want to do something for me for my sixth month and, and things like that, you know, like, um, and, uh, and like I said, it feels good to just be, uh, like, to, just to know that I'm doing something, even though that it's not, it's not on paper, I don't got a, a, a thing to show you, but I know, and everyone else know, you guys know, I'm doing it, everybody knows that I'm doing it, and it makes me feel so proud, and, um, I, I don't know how to explain it other than that, yeah, it's just, it's a gift, yeah, it's a phenomenal feeling, and my, my older brother, oh my god, he is so proud of me, he almost cries every time he sees me, because he doesn't, like, really live around here, he's up in the city, and, uh, He's had kind of a, a little rough life a little bit. Mm -hmm. And he's just elated to see what I've been going through. I've heard you talk about being able to be present for your family. Yeah. Like, I think you had an uncle that passed, right? Yeah. And you were able to be there and help care for him. Yeah. And uh, if I was... <laughs> if I was too self-absorbed and wanting to do my own thing I wouldn't even have wanted to be around and I'm just being a hundred percent Ryan is there anything else you'd want the audience to know today if you want to get help please don't hesitate to ask for help and recovery is something that you need to do do not get recovery because someone wants you to get it they might want you to get it but you need to want it you need to want to succeed in that endeavor because you could come here and leave go right back to what you were doing you need to want this 100%. And when you get there and when you accomplish it, you will never feel better. I promise you. And do you have a favorite recovery quote? Recovery is selfish. And that is a good remark. They always have selfish in a rude connotation. But trust me, recovery is a selfish thing. And that is the best way to put it. Tell me why why do you think that? Because what does that mean to you? No one knows how you feel. No one knows how I feel. You can tell me how you feel all you want, but I really don't know how you genuinely feel, genuinely what you think. Uh you know, I've had um people when I was here, they were saying, Oh, I'm only here for my kids and they left early. And uh it's, it's I'm sad to say that that happened, but they didn't want it for themselves, mm. even though they had children, blah, 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 whatever. But you have to want it for yourself. Your kids can be a part of your life, but you need to want it for yourself so you can take care of your kids or not because your wife is going to leave you because you want to get sober or something like that. 
you need to want to get sober to be the man or woman or whatever for your life so you can do everything else surrounding your life you are the center of your life you are the epicenter of your life and everything surrounding your life benefits off your sobriety Ryan I want to thank you for being with us today and I want to say I believe in you and I really think what you've done and your story and your testimony is so powerful and the strength that you're going to have going forward is really powerful so thank you for sharing it with us today thank you for having me thank you listeners have a great day Thank you for joining us today for the Strength and Recovery Podcast. Real people, real experiences, real hope. This podcast is presented by the Alumni Association of Recovery Centers of America. If you're interested in learning more, visit rcaalumni.com. Here, you can fill out our web form to make sure you're receiving our daily recovery emails and are notified of special events. The Alumni Association of RCA exists to connect individuals to an active recovery community. It is our goal to work with alumni to help them succeed, belong, and ultimately serve others. We help our alumni succeed by hosting more than 120 recovery support meetings per month with both virtual and in-person offerings of big book studies, speaker meetings, beginners meetings, Monday through Friday daily inspiration meetings, meetings for men and women, and faith-based meetings. Second, we create a welcoming community that provides a sense of belonging with a full calendar of events each month. Speaker series, barbecues, holiday celebrations, bowling, sporting events, theater shows, and much more. Thirdly, we provide an opportunity for our alumni to serve both the recovery community and in our local neighborhoods. We offer speaker commitments, chair commitments, mentoring opportunities in our facilities, volunteering at food banks, recovery, and overdose awareness events. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Recovery Centers of America provides inpatient and outpatient treatment and has locations in Massachusetts, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Indiana, and Illinois. Recovery Centers of America, or RCA, was founded to break down barriers to expert treatment. We answer the phone and admit patients 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, are in network with major insurance providers, and provide evidence-based treatment in our world-class facilities. If you or someone you know needs help, call 1-800-RECOVERY and know we are here for you.